Hello, everyone, and welcome along to another Tune Under podcast, the Southern Hemisphere's number one Newcastle-related podcast. Uh, back off the uh, off the magnificent four-one victory, um, a, a, a pretty decent week all round for Newcastle United. It's it's getting uh, uh, it's getting pretty pretty tasty now in the league. So joining me tonight is Jack, ready from uh, straight from a, a daddy daughter day, um, introducing. <laughs> Uh, the little girl to a uh, a replica of Jordan Pickford at the, like, <laughs> the yeah, yeah. How, how have you been anyway? Yeah, good. I've had a week off work, so it's obviously been a good week, a uh, good week for Newcastle. And I went to see a dinosaur exhibition today in Brisbane, which I've been looking at for quite a while. And um, my little girl was excited about that and uh, had to explain to her that that was, that was indeed Jordan Pickford <laughs> who'd jumped on a quick flight over from uh, from the UK and got there quite quickly. <laughs> she awesome. didn't know what I was talking about, but she seemed quite <laughs> happy with it. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, this uh, so literally we've had two pretty emphatic victories this week to celebrate uh, off the back of that abysmal Aston Villa display. Um, safe to say that the team has bounced back. We've scored 10 goals in a week. Um, it's just pretty mental we're up to plus 32 goal difference now in the league um yeah this this watching football malarkey is getting getting quite good isn't it jack it's not bad is it yeah it's not bad get used to this i keep thinking i keep thinking i'm in some kind of dream you know and i'm gonna i'm gonna wake up and it's gonna be october 2021 and we're gonna have just lost the wolves and mike ashley and uh, steve bruce are gonna be there i just keep having this horrible feeling that that's gonna happen because this is like beyond sort of what you'd even it's not even you know, it was. It's been amazing since the takeover. Basically, yeah. it's just been relentlessly brilliant. Apart from that little blip around the cup final time and a couple of games last season, but yeah, it's like some kind of dream. Like it's it's not real. It doesn't feel real when you're watching it and when you're watching all these goals fly in. So, uh, and it's good for us to be able to talk about it like this. It's, uh, it makes it just that bit better for us as well. So, yeah, it's absolutely incredible at the moment. Yeah, there's still a little bit of the psyche of Newcastle fans. I don't think let us fully believe that this is actually happening. Uh, and I know myself when when Kane scored for Spurs at the weekend, we're five 0 up, and I'm still, oh, uh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's going to take a while for us to get used to this. I think. Um, so just yeah. before we uh, we crack on with the Everton review pod, um, what I would like to do is just take a quick shout out to the socials. So if you aren't already, uh, please hit us up on YouTube or on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Anyway, you can hear us audio as well. Um, give us a like, thumbs up, uh, five star review. Uh, leave a comment in the sections on YouTube. It really helps us out um, and where we're kind of building our following. Um, but I'd also like to say that on Sunday night for us, it's an 11 o'clock kickoff. Uh, it is going to be a live watch along for us as well. So we're going to do that on Sunday night, given that it's a public holiday on Monday for us. So that's all, that's all worked out quite nicely. So hit us up on YouTube for that. And we'll, um, we'll sort of probably be kicking things off about half an hour before the game starts. Uh, and we will be doing an instant review, uh, instant uh, reaction uh, video straight after that game as well. So, um, so on to the Everton game. Um, obviously, it was a pretty early start for us. It's not too bad when you're getting up at uh, four four thirty in the morning to watch these games uh, when when we're winning like that. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's it's still an early and a long day for us. So, um, quick chat about the match build up, Jack. Um, yeah. Obviously, quite a lot of focus. Um, Everton are in some serious trouble. Uh, we've bought one of their more outspoken players, shall we say. Uh, there was a lot of griefs around that. There was a lot of pre-match build-up. Um, and then, um, yeah, it kind of like kind of fizzled out a little bit through the game. Um, but uh, what did you make of the build-up for Anthony Gordon um, with the Everton fans? Yeah, to be expected, really. Like, the, they don't like him very much. Um, probably, we probably wouldn't like him if the, if the um, tables were turned a bit, so... It's fine, you know. Everton have got a pretty uh, passionate fan base uh, in a lot of ways. Like you said, they're in big trouble. Um, but what they did, what they did last season, actually helped them a lot. Where they got they got really up for it towards the end. Um, there was a game against Palace where the I think they confirmed survival in that game. And Goodison's a horrible, horrible old ground. Like it's fallen to bits. I've been a few times to Goodison. You feel like there's going to be a fire or something when you're there, like especially with all the fireworks going on as well. But yeah. um, it was a big build-up because it was a massive game for both teams, obviously for very different reasons. Um, but it kind of 
we were still on cloud nine from the Spurs game a little bit as well. This came very quickly after that. So you're kind of just coming down from that and then you have this to, to look forward to. And it's a good job Eddie and the the staff will have forgotten about the Spurs game basically the day after and got them yeah. up for this because it definitely needed to be the way it played out. Well, it was interesting because I think uh, uh, we were all watching Bruno and Joe Linton being interviewed on loop for, for a lot of the later part of uh, the build-up to this. And even Bruno, like, they're, they're all just so well-drilled about, no, we're on to the next game now. We've got to look for the next game. And it's all about like, the, next, <laughs> the next win that we need to get on the board. So everyone's kind of bought into the philosophy of the club. Um, I, I believe the club went in the back entrance to get into Goodison um, after the rather crazy bus parade through a, a, a smoke inhaled Everton support. What was going on with that? Uh, I don't, it's, it seems to be something they do um, when they get to this stage because every season they're in a relegation battle at the moment. So yeah. they just seem to have a, like, a, a bit of a call to arms where they get, and you know, they've got a lot of crazy fans, you know, the mm. working class scousers, a lot of them. So they're just fully, fully up for it. Um, and obviously did that again. Like I said, it was really successful last season yeah. where they really fired the atmosphere up. And it worked, to be fair, in this game. It really did work in the first half. Like the, I think we'll talk we'll talk about it, but I think the the players, Everton players fed off the frenzied atmosphere there was. Um and we're, we're no strangers to this as Newcastle fans, you know, at St. James's when when it gets going, it really gets going and it's a real a really big advantage. So you know, Everton, are, Everton were within the rights to try and fire it up and get a bit of an atmosphere going, and it's probably it's going to help them. I think I, I know that they they lost this game, but I think you know if they can do what they did in this game in in the the remaining home games, they've they've got hard games, but you know I think they could potentially get some points. Uh, it was it was hard, it was hard, and it was because of the atmosphere that the club and the the fans had created. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we all we know all too well from the home games at St James's Park what a what a good solid crowd and the atmosphere uh, behind the scene behind the team can actually generate for the for the players. Um, like they really do feed off that. Um, so we're going to go on to the actual game now. Um, I want to have a quick check through some of the team lineups. So we'll have a look through our Everton team here. So Pickford, uh, old T-Rex in goal. Godfrey, Tarkovsky, Keane and Mikolenko in defence. Garner, Onana, uh, Ducore, McNeil and Awobi with Calvert-Lewin up front pretty much on his own for a lot of the game, I would say. But the wingers were definitely bombing on as much as they could. Um, uh Decent bench there as well. Um, few few sort of semi uh, semi recognizable names in there. Did you see any? What, where's your kind of thought process in terms of where the main dangers of that team are? Calvert Lewin scored. I think he scored five goals against us in his career, so he's yeah. always a danger. Uh, obviously, it's been against us when we've been shit. You know, not when we've been good. But uh, Awobi had a really good game against us last yeah. season as well, and he scored the winner. But really, their team's pretty workmanlike. Really, Godfrey's not even a, a right back, uh, and they've got you know they've got three ex Burnley players in there. They've got Tarkovsky and yeah. McNeil, who got relegated last season, and then Michael Keane, who was signed one of the players to sign for crazy money about four or five years ago. Um, yeah, and they've, I, they've got some they've got some pretty big uh, big money signings in that squad. I mean, Awobi, I think I was reading was forty five million or something, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. ten million more than Bruno. I'm, uh, I think their team was actually the same value or just a little bit less value than our team. <laughs> which yeah, just shows so I've you. Got, we've got some stats for that later on in the, yeah. in the podcast as well. So yeah, we'll, uh, yeah. We'll so it just up. shows you kind of the way the, the the way the clubs have been run. But uh, um, Craig posted the Everton team and our team for the game last season, uh, which we lost in, and it immediately made us feel better because our team looked pretty weak. Really, we had Ryan Fraser and Chris mm. Wood playing, and Everton's looked about the same <laughs> so that made us feel like we should we should get something from this because we were a bit unlucky to lose that one last season yeah last season was was a weird one apart from the the idiot <laughs> trying to choke himself on the on the goalpost that really interrupted our momentum um i think the big difference is, is was probably richarlison um mm. that, that they they clearly fed off him he 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 was 
he was their shit house, I guess you would say, last season. Um, he, he he did everything he could to kind of win free kicks and, and keep them in games. Um, without him there, they just didn't seem to have that same same drive and determination. And and to be honest, I've seen a few Everton fans since on uh, on some of their their. Uh, their podcasts and some of their YouTube videos suggesting that they probably were missing Anthony Gordon um, just yeah. as an option, just to just to kind of give them a bit of drive. So yeah, it's uh, it's interesting how things work out. Um, so we'll, we'll quickly go on to the Newcastle side. Uh, Nick Pope and goal, Trippier, Shah, Botman, and Target at left back. Um, so that's one change. Uh, Bruno, Longstaff, and Woolick make up the uh, pretty much tried and tested midfield three now, and then Joe Linton, Callum Wilson, and Miggy Almiron uh, make up the forward line. So three changes from from the team that uh, absolutely decimated Spurs. Um, pretty much guaranteed that we were going to make some substitutions, um, some sort of changes to that ta- that that lineup given the 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 frequency of games that we're having at the moment. Um, but uh, did you did you see anything wrong with those substitutions? Pretty much expected in terms of the front line. Um, but obviously the the big surprise I think for most of us was Matty Target starting. Yeah, I think uh, that was that was a bit of a surprise. Uh, I think it was because Byrne was had been unwell. I think the the commentators were saying. So yeah, like you said, I kind of expected one or two changes just with the the Southampton game coming up. But if you score two goals in a game, like, which is what Murphy and Isak did, and then you're on the bench, <laughs> you know, like you've got to be you've got to be a bit disappointed about that. But because of the team spirit that Eddie Howe has yeah. fostered and the fact that we've got this no dickhead policy and everybody's just playing for each other means that they were quite happy to drop out and obviously they both came on and contributed. Uh, it's nice for Callum Wilson to get a start because he's been he's been absolutely on fire lately. You yeah. know, he, he was he was he was dodgy after the World Cup. I, I don't think mm-hmm. he was fit right up until that international break. And after that he's been absolutely flying. So um we might talk later about whether both of them might get a start together at some yeah. point. Um, I mean, yeah. it's just nice to see that the bench is starting to fill out a little bit. And this is before we in, encounter a, a potential summer spending spree, I guess you would say. Um, <clears throat> we're all expecting it if we do manage to get top four and get Champions League. But it, it's good to see that we've actually got options off the bench now, isn't it? Yeah, we've we've talked uh, all season on this podcast about uh, the weak bench and the, the squad depth. But because Eddie has turned... Jacob Murphy into an effective Premier League player. He's now not a weak link on the bench, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you've still got Richie and Mankio on there, who probably won't be around next season. But when you've got Gordon, Isak, you know, it's just it's a strong bench, and they can, yeah. we can make changes from the bench now, which we weren't able to do earlier in the season. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's a nice thing to have when you can see sixty minutes out in the game, and then bring you sort of um, you, well two of your your most informed players off the bench at the moment in Isak and Murphy. Uh, cool. So um, we'll start having a, a roam through some of the game. Um, obviously, look, we've, we've had the... Um, the game pretty much started off as we expected. Everton were, were properly wound up for this game. They came out of the blocks pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, they... They, they threatened the goal without necessarily creating any chances in the first half, um, apart from the one big talking point, which we'll, we'll which we'll get to. But how impressed were you that Everton started the way they did? Because I know a lot of people have said that they haven't had any heart. Their, their fans are complaining that they've got no no drive or determination or no pride in their their performances. But the Everton I saw in that first half were fully giving everything that they had uh, for the cause. They were well up for the game. Now, look, whether or not you you count lack of quality in the squad or just things not going their way or lack of confidence giving the recent result, run of results, but, you know, you, you look at that performance and they went out there to leave everything on the pitch um, in, in that first half. So how, how impressed were you with their performance in the first half? Well, the little clubs get excited when the big clubs come, don't they? And they, they, <laughs> they get up for it easily. So, no, it, they, I'm, I'm joking there. You know, Everton are not a little club, um, but they're, they're obviously struggling this season. But yeah. uh, I wasn't really surprised at the way they came out because I, I thought that that was going to happen. And I think the Eddie Howe and the, the team expected that as well. Yeah. It's Sean Dyche, it's Goodison Park, yeah. it's, a, it's a, an evening game. Uh, they're absolutely desperate for points. So, but yeah, they were really quite like you said. They were good. They were they were um, 
they were physical, they were aggressive, they were pressing a lot, and they were forcing us into mistakes. Um, and we didn't really cope with it as well as we could have done. But they still weren't creating too many clear-cut opportunities. They had a, quite a few shots from distance, which didn't really threaten. So I think it was more the fact that we we were a little bit wobbly. Uh, we were giving the ball a little, away a little bit, which I think was causing us problems. But it was because of the intensity and yeah. you know that, that they were playing with, and the the players for Everton were feeding off the energy and the the excitement from the crowd. But yeah. you just had a feeling like that it, it, they couldn't do this for the whole game, which which yeah. was what I felt at the time. I think they did well to maintain it for as long as they did. Um, but I, I knew that if we if we could have could ride this out a little bit, and if we could if we could get in without conceding one or two goals, well, Matt, we, sh- we should be all right. And I think that's that's the way it went in the end. Yeah, it certainly looked like they were um, Newcastle were trying to ride the storm in that first half and, and just kind of like stay with them. Um, and hopefully they would burn themselves out, which, as it turns out, they did. Um, I was disappointed with Miggy's performance. He looked a little bit off off the pace. He was giving the ball away a lot, um, but he, he probably wasn't the only one in that first half. And I think you've you've touched on it where Everton were in our faces. We weren't getting any time on the ball, and Miggy's just come back from an injury layoff, so maybe a little bit rusty. Yeah, probably. He's just he's not fully fit. Um... And he's not was he's not the best under pressure anyway. A lot of the time, mm. he's better when he's sort of when he's got the ball and when he's running at people. But yeah, he, I don't think he's he's fully fit. And it was quite a hard game for him to come into. He actually struggled. I remember he struggled in this game last season as well. So yeah. maybe it's something about that kind of frenetic crowd that he that he struggles with. Um, and he did have a difficult difficult game. But luckily, we had you know substitute to bring on for him. No, that's that's fair. Um, so we ended up opening the scoring. Um, Joe Linton uh, again coming to the rescue with an absolutely magnificent run. Um, what's your thoughts on on the? I mean, because it was, I wouldn't say it was against the run of play as such, but we were starting to kind of get into the game a little bit more before he made that little sort of jinky run, um, sort of battered it out, and you know Pickford's. Uh, sort of pushed the ball away into, into his own <laughs> defender, I think it was, that then ricocheted out with uh, Callum Wilson on hand to, to tuck it away. Um, but that was kind of what we really needed at the time. I think we were under that bit of bit of pressure from, from Everton. Um, but, I mean, we couldn't have asked for a, for a, a better goal to, to answer that sort of pressure that we were getting. Yeah, so it was against the run of play in a way, but also it wasn't a surprise because we've got quality. So I think we always knew that we were going to end up getting chances in this game. Uh, and we know that Joe Linton's on form. And it was a good pass, actually, from Miggy to pass it out wide to begin with. Uh, I think it went to Target, who then gave it to Joe Linton. And then, but when you've got Wilson in form like this, you know, there's, and, and there's a ball bobbling around the box, around the penalty spot, you know, <laughs> he's not going to miss that. So, uh, so even though they had been on top, uh, it still wasn't a surprise really that we yeah we'd, we'd started to claw back a little bit of possession by then as well and i think once we start to get possession we can start to create chances it's just what we've been doing lately um yeah. it was it was one of those times where we we'd, we'd maybe had one or two forays forward but nothing had come of it but you know, joe linton's done this a couple of times now where he's opened the scoring in a tough game for us mm. that's that's essentially unlocked the opposition didn't really work that way um everton did have one Massive opportunity. Um, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin put through on goal, um, just a, a little bit left of centre. Um, through on his own, we were we were looking for the offside flag. He went through, really nice finish. I think it probably maybe could have been a little bit better defending, but as it turns out, VAR came in, checked it. It was given offside, so it didn't count. Um, you're happy with the offside call on that one, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I, I was, I obviously was, but like being being totally honest about these situations. I don't like these marginal offsides because off, the offside law is was not brought in to to stop this. You know, yeah. like Calvert Lewin is getting no advantage over over Sven Botman, who was on the other side of the pitch just by being by his his armpit being in front of Botman's yeah. left foot. So we've we've been a victim of this as well this season with Isak at Liverpool. I think. We can talk about offside. Nobody even knows what the rule is anymore, really. But I yeah, think we'll, that, come, we'll come back to it for yeah. hours in a minute as well. But I think getting some kind of 
daylight rule. I know they tried that before, but then that, yeah. that gives the attacker the advantage. Like you're still yeah. going to get these problems because there's still going to be dispute over whether there's daylight or not and drawing the bloody lines on the pitch yeah. and all sorts. But I think yeah, you have to pair it back to what the actual spirit of the law is, which is to stop people goal hanging, you know? And yeah. that's not goal hanging. That's like, that's a, a run that's been mistimed by like point 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 one of a second you know yeah. so i know we benefited from this and obviously i was very pleased about that uh but i think it's one it's something that they need to look at because you, you're going to get more you're going to get more goals you're going to get more action attack and action if you give the attacker the benefit of the doubt yeah. i think in these situations i think the problem is is that you're going to end up with strikers who are pushing forward on the front foot with defenders who are maybe trying to push up. And, you, and if you start trying to blur that line, I mean, certainly, you know, they, they, as you said, they tried the the daylight rule and then the refs mm. all bottled it. And then some were giving it some weren't. And it was like lasted about two games, two weeks or something like that before <laughs> they went, yeah, now we're going to go back to the normal, normal rules. Mm. Um, so then in at halftime, one goal up, we had a couple of half chances um, towards the end of the half, but all in all, I think we were pretty happy to go in a goal up um, and you know get a little bit of a breather and get Eddie having a little bit of a chat to the players. I think it was relief more than anything. Yeah. So the the commentators were saying Everton would be pleased to get in, but I was wanted us to get in. You know, we had the goal. Mm. Uh, we needed to just get in and calm things down, and that's what I kept on thinking through the first half was let's just try and slow it down a bit. Let's try and calm it down. I think Trippier and Bruno, who were the, the ideal candidates to do that, they tried it a bit, but they their radar was off a little bit and they were yeah. they were giving it away a bit. So it was good to get in at half time. You, you know that if we if we score one goal, we're probably not going to lose the game. Uh, and I, I I wouldn't have been too disappointed with a draw in this game if you'd have offered it beforehand. Um, but yeah, it was good to get in, good to be ahead because uh, because Everton really threw everything at us. Uh, and I think they were a bit unlucky really to go in behind, but who cares? <laughs> yeah. So uh, Eddie's obviously got stuck into the team, got them a little bit more organized. Um, they've come out in the second half and pretty much l- took on where they left off um, at the end of the first half. They, they looked sharper. They looked more on the ball. Everton kind of weren't quite at the races to start the half. Willock, who I thought had a very quiet first half, didn't really do a lot, gave the ball away a few times, came out like the the Willockinio that we've we've come to love in the last few few months of, of his time here. Um, he was absolutely at his best, had a had a couple of chances himself, made a couple of chances for other people before he took uh, took his player on on the left hand side, and I think it was Godfrey. And this would not be the first uh, time or the second time or the last time that Godfrey was skinned on that side. Um, they were clearly targeting him in the second half um, to good effect as well. Uh, so, yeah, Willick's gone past him, um, put the ball through, uh, put an absolute peach of a cross in, uh, and Joe Linton's there unmarked in the middle of the box just to, <laughs> to nod it into the ground and into the goal. So uh, great second goal, just what we needed. Kind of almost took the wind out of the sails of the, of the home fans scoring just after the break, like we did? Yeah, so th- that was after 70 minutes, wasn't it? And I had to yeah. re-watch the second half earlier because both of my daughters were awake by this point at uh, <laughs> 6.15 in the morning. So I was on uh, I was on nappy duty and breakfast duty and all sorts. So I was kind of half watching it uh, in real time. But I think I watched it back and Everton was still pretty... They weren't too bad, really. Like They had yeah. a few half chances still uh, in that first... Especially the first 15, 20 minutes of the second half. Um, but then as soon as as soon as that goal went in, Willock has been brilliant, like especially in the, the latter part of this season. And we talk talk about his, his assist against Spurs, which I'm, I yeah. want to talk about forever. <laughs> um, but this was another brilliant assist, you know, like it's his pace, it's it's his directness. The little dinky stood up to to Joe Linton, and then you've got Big Joe who's in, in scoring form. So I think as soon as that went in, you kind of knew, like, you knew they weren't going to get back into it from that point. I think we knew it was three points. Yeah, I think I think like, they they again huffed and puffed a bit in the second half to start with. Um, it was a lot more even. It was it was kind of an end to end game for the second half, where it was definitely played more in their their half in the in the uh, in the first half of the game. So, uh, to me, Willicks just added that ball control. Um, he's always had the pace. He's always had the drive. He's he's not scoring the goals now, and it's like this is seeming insane to, to talk about given his his start at, 
at a club on when he was on loan. Uh, but you know, if he can add that finishing back into his game, because he is getting chances and he's just he's just skying them or he's not 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 getting them. And there was there was one effort that he had in this game where he kind of cut in and just curled it around and was an absolutely fantastic save uh, mm. from from uh, old T Rex, but. Yeah, the, the the wind definitely went out their sails after that second goal went in. And I think they, they know they're not scoring goals. They know we don't concede many goals. So it's like, well, yeah, look, 1-0, one, one we're probably still in it. 2-0, yeah, I think that's all she wrote. And you could kind yeah. of see their heads drop a little bit, which which I guess that's probably what the Everton fans are focusing on. Uh, yeah, and, well, and disappointing, which which you can understand as well. I think the crowd uh, let their heads drop at that point as well, mm. which is understandable. You know, it's there's only twenty minutes to go. Um, with, with Willick, like you can just see he's being coached. He's got all the attributes. He's always had the attributes, but he went on that scoring run when he when he signed for us. But then the the following season, he was not good. You know, he was mm. really struggling um, when um, when Bruce was still there. But he's got confidence now, and he's just being coached. Like Eddie Howe is coaching him to to levels which I didn't think he was capable of. And yeah. like you said, that volley he had was would have been yeah. an outrageous goal. So he's gonna he's gonna keep doing this and popping up, and he will pop up with goals and, and assists as well. He's such a valuable player now. Yeah. So then uh, number three got on the board with an absolute rocket from Callum Wilson. Um, took the ball on the edge of the box, just literally turned his body and launched it into the top corner. Um, yeah. the, it it kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, we were obviously dominating the game by this stage, but to, for him to pull that sort of goal off, it was almost like he was he was having a competition with Murphy going, oh, well, if you can do it, <laughs> I can do it better sort of thing. It was it was a fantastic finish for him. Um, gave, uh, gave Pickford absolutely no chance. And there's a lot of little photos going around on the group chat where people are people are having a little bit of a laugh at uh, <laughs> at, at Pickford not quite getting to that bot that ball um not quite what, what, did, not what quite. did you make it what did you make of that one because I thought that was an absolute peach of a strike well Bruno just ran through the midfield so I think this is what Everton fans are probably a bit upset about the fact that the midfield I think they were they were pushing a bit and Bruno just sort of ran ran through them <laughs> uh and he, the ball was a little bit behind Wilson but he just had a touch and that's his confidence. It's his confidence. Like you don't, you don't try that shot, and if you're not full of confidence, and it's a bit like what um, I think Dimi was saying for the Willock assist for his Spurs. Like you don't try that if you're not confident, yeah. and if you're not, if the game state doesn't allow that. But he was just confident. He just, he just curled it into the top corner. Absolutely beautiful goal. Uh, Wilson. The first one was like a typical Wilson goal. The second one was just. I think he's been. Um, watching Isak and training after his goal against Brentford as well. But it's another amazing goal of the goal of the season contender, really, yeah. uh, which, which the our team is having a, a competition of their own at the moment. Well, I said I, I tweeted out today, it's like the, the highlight video at the end of the season is going to need to be a box set at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was um, amazing. So then, uh, obviously, not to be outdone, Isak on the pitch uh, goes on what can only be described as one of the best Henri-esque runs in the Premier League's history. Um, mm. Literally takes on half of the Everton defence on his own, um, took the ball on halfway, ran up the pitch, uh, basically beat three defenders before he got to the byline. And then I think all of us were thinking, well, yeah, this is going out for a corner or something like that. Managed to keep it in, beat another two defenders before dinking it over the over um, into the other side of the box for uh, a Murphy tap-in who literally could not believe his luck and ran over and the whole team just recognised straight away what I what Isak had done there and it was just something that you just don't expect from from a Newcastle player since Beardsley really um but it it was one of those things where there's been a little bit of talk about you know there's there's a bit of Henri in in mm. Isak and that I think was probably the first time that it was just like holy crap yeah we've got a player on our hands here well he did something kind of similar against Southampton in the cup although it wasn't mm. quite as uh, as jinky but this one was funny because obviously they just scored direct from a corner and it was like, yes, oh, sorry, I missed that. Sorry, yeah, yeah. So it was like, oh, they, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to block that out. It was like, yeah, yeah. yeah straight, so it was straight like, oh, that's a, that, that's a shame they've scored. And then the commentators were still talking about that and Isak had it on the <laughs> on the left. And I've I've counted the because I've watched this obviously quite a few times and I've, I've counted the touches. He had 21 touches, right, in this in this dribble. Every single one, almost every single one had to be perfect because he was either close to a defender or he was right on the touchline. 
and he somehow managed to obviously the defending is is not good uh but how do you it's hard to defend it other than yeah. you know kicking him or clattering him and well, he's he got the ball on the string yeah and at pace it's like how do you he beat the that? same he beat the same players twice each yeah. <laughs> and then he got to the byline and that there was a touch on the byline to take it away from the last defender and it was it was just perfect because if he'd have overran it, the keeper would have got it. If he'd have put it too much, it would have gone out. And then he's just uh, it. It Ben Hatton Ben Arthur scored a goal for us in the cup against Blackburn Rovers, and it's a travesty that there's only one camera angle of this goal because I was at that game and I remember watching it, and it was absolutely astonishing. It was like Beardsley, and this was similar to that, only better because he had less space. Yeah, when you see a six foot four striker doing this, like we knew he was good, but who knew he was this good? You know, like it, you can see the comparisons with Henri, and he's yeah. only just turned twenty three. Henri, Henri was twenty two when he signed for Arsenal, so he was a similar age. Yeah. So if uh, if Ice Cold Alex can have the same impact for us that Thierry Henri had at Arsenal, wow! Yeah, yeah it's going to be incredible. Uh, it, yeah. It's worth noting that we've literally got a very good young spine of the side now. You know, we've got Botman, Bruno, Isak, and I, we, we all know the song by now, uh, but <laughs> they have literally, that that's that's pretty scary. That's like, you know, you know I'd say maybe four, four or five years for Bruno um, at the top of his game. Easy seven to 10 for the others. Um, yeah. that, that's got to be pretty scary for the rest of the team, for teams in the league. It's 130 um, million well spent, isn't it? You know, oh like yeah, it. for sure. It's it's um, money it's money well spent on good scouting on good characters and who are being properly coached and that yeah. you see that on the pitch yeah yeah sixty three million uh, Isak um, as uh, Keegan and I were referring to him after Thomas Frank after likes to Thomas that, yeah. Frank <laughs> uh, endless uh, tirade about our spending which we will come to as well because I've got a good point some good points on that uh, the yeah, it's like it, it looks like an absolute bargain at this point. We've had Raul Sociedad's pants down with that, with that price. Well, it's it's a lot of money, but he's he's a, he's a world class player. He's a world class yeah. footballer. He's what he's on the level. He's maybe behind Haaland, but he's he's definitely on that Nunes. You know, sort of. Yeah. He's the next level down, if you can even say that, just because Haaland's a, a freak. You know. Yeah. Um, but he's, so, he's so I was saying this. I was saying this the other day though, because Haaland's definitely a more clinical better goal scorer he's, he's a he's a finisher he's a he's a fox in the box he just gets the balls that he has no right to get to because he's so lanky and he's so quick and he's so strong um isak's definitely a better all-round player though so you kind of it's not just about the goals isak's probably going to end up with more assists as well well, if he gets given the assists, and like today, oh, which yes. outrageously wasn't given yeah. to him because it hit yeah. a defender. But best, yeah. best assist of the century, and he's not given it. It's uh. I suppose it, it's what, what comes naturally to those players. So Haaland's a traditional number nine who just does everything really well. Isak yeah. kind of drifts out into the channel a little bit more, which is what which is why the comparisons with Henri yes. are so striking. Um, so they're different sort of different sort of strikers that could probably play together and they would win every game they ever played <laughs> if uh, Man City want to sign him. That yeah. would be uh, £1 billion, pounds, please. But yeah, yes. um, yeah, it's exciting for the Premier League to have players like this. Like this it season. is, and it's exciting that we know we've got owners who are going to fight to keep hold of our best players now. Like If that was Ashley still there at the club and we managed to find a, a gem like him, um, you'd be sitting there counting the days before he was sold for a profit and then have a have a rummage in the bargain bin in France or something for another replacement like Riviere or something for, <laughs> for Andy Carroll. Um, so the the scoring was finished there um, at, at 4-1. Um, there was an absolute wonder strike from Fabian Shah that I still have yet to figure out exactly why it was given offside because... Dan Burns offside when the ball's played in, doesn't actually get anywhere near it, doesn't touch the ball. The defender heads it back out. Fabian Shah takes it on the wing, dribbles it back inside. The crowd urge him to shoot, which he gratefully obliges, and it literally nestles in the bottom corner of, of the goal. And, you know, absolutely cracking strike, deserves a goal. Um, and, yeah, for some unknown reason, we've now got a completely different inter interpretation of the of the offside rule yet again um, that fans are left frustrated with not knowing what the rules are. 
Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know why it was presumably because he was deemed to be interfering with play. But which phase, like which phase, was that? Or is it? It was only pulled back, obviously, because we scored a goal from it. But like, how has he in any way gained any kind of advantage from no. that? And how has Fabian Cher gained any advantage from it? Yes, you know? exactly. Like, <laughs> it just doesn't really make any sense. So, like, it's yeah. it's a real harsh, it's something harsh. they're gonna have to look at and luckily it just didn't didn't impact us it would have been nice to score five goals again but that's just yeah. greedy really <laughs> well realistically though i mean we we dominated the the last part of the game we had a few few extra chances it could have easily been seven or eight i think again i mean we we've we've missed chances that we we could have and probably should have scored um so you know the xg is still there we're still we're still creating chances that we're not we're not tucking away but luckily We've got enough stuff that we're creating plenty of chances now, and there's there's a fair few of them starting to find the net now. So that's good to see. Um, we'll uh, we'll pull up our, some stats for that game. Uh, uh, the shots for both teams are actually pretty interesting reading. Um, we'll come back to that in a minute, but like the the possession, thirty nine percent for Everton, sixty one percent for Newcastle. I actually found that really interesting because I felt Everton had a lot of the ball in the first half. Um, so either they didn't have as much as we thought. Newcastle did have it, but then gave it away in, in silly areas. Or Newcastle's completely dominated that second half to, to end up with that. Well, even in the first half, the stats flashed up after about 20 minutes and Everton had had six shots by then. We'd only had mm. one. But even then, we were out possessioning them. We had more possession. So mm. I think it seemed like they had more because there was, but but they were mainly just running at us when we had yeah. the ball. And we were we were giving it away. But then because of a lack of quality for them, they were giving it away as well, or they were having long range shots, yeah. which didn't, didn't amount to anything. So like they're, they're not a possession team. Um, we're, we're not necessarily a possession team either, but when you've got, we've just got better players. So we're yeah. more likely to keep hold of the ball. And it wasn't really there. It's never really been Daesh's kind of game to try and keep no. the ball. It's more about direct, direct long balls and, you know, putting pressure on. Yeah. So, um, Four, uh, 15 shots to Newcastle, 13 shots to Everton. That's actually pretty even, Stevens. Um, shots on target, five to Everton, eight to Newcastle. Um, it kind of shows that Everton were having chances. But as you said earlier on, a lot of them were just like, you know, long shots from from range, either straight down Pope's throat or skied out or, you know, sent out wide or something like that. So they weren't really getting any clear-cut shots on goal. Um, no, not really. Like, the... I think they they did all right to get the shots away, but and it, it's inflated the stats a little bit. But yeah. like 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 you know, a lot of the time we just don't cre- uh, concede good chances very often. Yeah. Um. So and when when we do, there's Nick Pope, and he Pope did make a really good save in the yeah, second half from Calvert Lewin. Um. So yeah, I think the stats sort of yeah that that they're inflated on their side, but I think they did play quite well for seventy minutes. I, I, yeah. I did. I do. I think they were. I think I don't think it was a. It was a 4-1 game in the end because the last 20 we just ran through them. But for 70 minutes, it was really hard going for us until we scored that second goal. So I think they did they did well. And I think the stats do reflect that to an extent. I think we're just starting to see that our fitness levels as a team are just through the roof. And there's not many teams can match us for, for a full 90 minutes um, with with the pace and the intense intensity that we're willing to play at, and I think that's what happened here is that the the you know Everton gave their everything, um, the tanks just emptied on on seventy minutes, and then we had you know Murphy and Isak to bring off the bench, and you know that's that's the difference that we've got at the moment. Um, the frustrating thing for me again though is that corner count, like you know three mm. corners to Everton, but fourteen for Newcastle, and we still yet to score from a corner. Um, yeah, I just I think, don't understand why we've got a team of giants and we don't seem to be good from set pieces. I think I read that Jason Tyndall is the the set piece coach, so I think we should just get a set piece coach. <laughs> I think yeah. we need to get a good set piece coach, and we did a couple of them where we were playing it short. I think early on because yeah. we we did have corners in the first half, but yeah, you've got Botman and you've got Byrne and Joe Linton, and we're a big team, so I think we need to. We need to work on that. That would be that's one clear area for improvement for next season. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I was I had a chuckle to myself earlier on because um, with that Isak goal, uh, I, I kind of thought that goal in well, his, his assist, his non-assist. Sorry, he he basically went on this mazy run, and I think that's how ASM sees himself 
when he's doing what he does, um, <laughs> but it just doesn't quite look the same. Um, one, I bring that up because there's been a little bit of sort of talk where um, Maxi may be out for the rest of the season. Um, at the moment, the way we're playing, we've, we've adapted. We're not really relying on him anyway, so I don't see it being a problem. But do you reckon that's his last game for the club? Uh, I think it probably is. Um, I think he's had two good spells of football this season of a couple of games. Uh, he had one at the start and then one before he got injured this time. He's unlucky. I don't know whether his body can handle the way that he's being asked to play. Yeah. Uh, the evidence would suggest that it can't. I think he'd be an incredible impact sub or, you know, to start in some games if he wanted to stay around. But I'm not sure his. Uh, I'm not sure he'll want to do that. I think he'll want no. to be the, go and be the main man somewhere, and that's fine. Yeah. He's he's been a good player for Newcastle over the years, but I think we said at the start of this season that this is a big season for him because yeah. I think there's questions over whether he fits into the system. And we definitely yeah. said in January when Gordon came in, this is a really big second half of the season. Yeah. And maybe it's not his fault. Maybe it's his body. Maybe it's his injuries. But he hasn't had taken the opportunity that he's had uh, which is a which is a shame. Um, but yeah. if he wants to stay around and if he's happy to do that and if he's not going to rock the rock the boat in any way, then great, let's keep him. But like I said as well, I think we need to sell players for money as well. We need to start selling players, and he's yeah. probably our biggest saleable asset that we've got. Yeah, I think. I mean, he's he's already been sort of quoted in the media saying, "It's like, oh, I want to go somewhere where they've got my best interests at heart," and so it kind of feels like he's almost got one foot out the door. Um, which, you know, look, I I like him. I've liked watching him here. I mean, he pretty much single handedly kept us in the league under Bruce because he was our only offensive outlet. Uh, but yeah, it it does seem that even if he's kind of willing to stay, his body's just not quite capable of playing at the intensity that we do right now so you know maybe a slower league like you know Syria or something like that maybe he'd go there and AC Milana supposedly after him if we can get 30 million for him I'd snap their hands off um, I think mm. it would be a good deal all round I think he gets to go there and and, and be the, the center of attention that he wants to be um, that that sort of main man player which I don't think he's going to be here um, and yeah I think if you look at uh, us getting a little bit of extra money in that offsets a bit of FFP. We we get to kind of go out and splurge a bit more money um, on on a replacement like you know like we've discussed Diaby or someone like that. So, mm. um, so lastly on that game before we touch on a bit of a Southampton preview, that is the league table. We are sitting in third spot, uh, thirty two games played, plus thirty two goal difference, uh, <laughs> sixty two points, um, and we are now. Uh, what's that? That's eight points clear of Spurs, um, who are sitting in fifth. We will touch on uh, the at the end of this um, the upcoming fixtures because it's it's quite an interesting read for the top six clubs there. Well, I, I say top six, well six clubs that are in the, in the the race for that that top four spot. Um, that's looking pretty good. It's starting to get to the point where we can dream, isn't it? <laughs> I was I was just thinking about yeah this is where I am dreaming and Newcastle are third in the league because uh, am I in two thousand one or something you know or is this uh, <laughs> this is twenty years ago yeah no it's uh, it's got to the point now where it would take a collapse from us which we haven't had this season we've had a blip this season and it was the Aston Villa game and that's it yeah. we haven't had any more we had the little issue around the cup final but that was for understandable reasons I think and we had hard games around then. Uh, and there was a period where we were drawn too many games, but uh, I think it would take a collapse from here. And I've been obsessively looking at the the points that teams can get, and we'll have a look at the the fixtures in a minute. But yeah, it's going to well. take we'll it's going to take something. Now. It's going to take something for us to not um, to not finish in the top four from here. So here we've got the uh, the the run in for the for the six sides in in contention. So Newcastle, we have Southampton at home, Arsenal at home, Leeds away, Brighton at home, Leicester at home, and Chelsea away. That's a pretty good run of games for us. Uh, given that everything is in our hands, we need what a maximum of seventy one. We need probably seventy one points to make sure we qualify. Given what the other teams have got, um, that's that's eight nine nine more points. Um, yeah, surely that's surely but that's Bright doable for, with that run Bright of games. 
Brighton can get 73 points if they win all of their games, but that's unlikely. So that's if we can get we can beat them as well, though. Yeah, yeah. So if we can get 12 more points from these these games, if it's four wins, then that's it completely guaranteed because yep. that's 74 points. So four wins, we've got four home games and we've got two away games. On form, we should do it. We should do that. We shouldn't need to be worrying about Brighton yep. or Liverpool or anything, but we're Newcastle fans, so we are. And yeah. I'm, <laughs> There's always that doubt. <laughs> I'm worried about Liverpool because I think they're going to win all of their last six games. and they've they, got, they have a pretty easy run, it has to be said. Yeah, and they've got three games at home, and we've got Southampton at home, but they play two extra games before we play Arsenal. So they yeah. could be three points behind us by the time we play Arsenal, yeah. albeit we would have a game in hand. So they've done this before, where they've they've gone on a run and they've gotten the Champions League right at the end of the season. Yeah. I think I hope it's going to be too big an ask for them, but I'd feel a lot better if they start if they just drew a game or two. Uh, I'd yeah. feel so much better about everything because I think that really would be it. Because I can't see Brighton; they've got really hard fixtures coming up, and they've got to come to St James's. So I think it's Liverpool, and I think I think Liverpool could get seventy-one points, which means we would probably have to get. 71 or 72 yeah you got to think if we get 71 we're going to still have a better goal difference than them unless they go on a monumental goal scoring run um i guess the big thing for me is is looking at aston villa are well and truly informed but they've actually got some pretty tough games and they're playing all the other sides that are in, yeah. in the race almost um liverpool included so the, i think that liverpool aston villa game um it's at anfield but Second last game of the season, that could be absolutely huge for yeah, both clubs. Hopefully, by then it won't matter for us because we've kept winning. Um, yeah. so but yeah, that could be a big uh, but, but yeah, hopefully, it'll be for who's going to finish fifth or sixth by that point, yeah. and we can stop worrying about well, where well, we've secured third. Man United have not been great lately either, so no. and they they threw away a two goal lead at Spurs uh this morning, so. They've got to go to Brighton for their game in hand next week. And they've got a hard away game at West Ham. They've got to play Villa at home this weekend. So yeah. uh, they don't have any fit defenders that are any good. So that could be one to watch out for. Um, but they can get a, a total of 81 points, which is one point, one point more than what we can get at this stage. Yeah. Um, but we I... can, we've firmly got our eyes on third, I think. Yeah, I, I think uh, our, our destiny is in our own hands. It's, it's as simple as that. And... I, I just don't want to go away to Chelsea on the last game of the season, needing a result to, mm. and hoping that Liverpool, who are playing Southampton away um, <laughs> on the last game of the season, uh, you know, who will most likely be well and truly relegated by then. Um, uh, yeah, that, that that could be the, the the tricky weekend. Now, look, Chelsea's probably all but given up the ghost as well. I think they're sending all their players off for surgeries and stuff at the moment, which mm. probably indicates that they've written the rest of the season off and they don't really care anymore. Uh, but, you know, it's still one of those games where they do have quality in the squad and, and I just don't want to be relying on an away game uh, down at Chelsea to, to secure our, our top four spot. But even uh, Even to get to that point, though, we would have to probably lose games that we think yeah. we shouldn't lose so leads away is not doesn't isn't that hard on paper they they're not yeah. not in good form so i think if we can we just don't want to be dropping points in one of these home games against southampton no. or leicester really um even yeah. Brighton, I mean, as, as good as Brighton are playing, we do have a fantastic track record against them at St. James's Park. And St. James's Park is an absolute fortress at the moment. So you've got you've got to be liking our chances, surely. Any anyone objectively looking at this already thinks that it's done and dusted. Yeah. And that Newcastle and Man United are going to be in the top four. And even I was on a Liverpool forum out of interest, and they were not even thinking about Newcastle. They they none of them think they're going to get top four. And if they do, they think it might be Man United. But that's like extreme wishful thinking from them. So if we hadn't been burned by all of the years of following Newcastle, <laughs> and if we weren't so stressed about this because we're not used to it, <laughs> we just think that's fine. We're going to finish top third or fourth, you know, and it wouldn't be a problem. But it's just because we're so it's so unusual for us that we're kind of obsessing over everything and looking at the the maths and seeing how it's all going to work yeah. out. But well, if yeah, you really, remember we the should last time. Well, the last time we were up here in this sort of neck of the woods looking for Champions League was under Pardew, and we we managed to botch that up. We were well and truly clear in, in the top four, and we threw that away. Um, I can't see the same thing happening under Howe. I think he's 
Uh, we may have a blip like the Aston Villa game, but I think the response has been absolutely phenomenal from the players, and I just can't yeah. see us dropping enough points. Um, I don't that, think the players will. I don't think that the manager yeah. will allow it. That, that Pardew season as well, like we weren't actually, we were quite lucky in quite a few games, We've... and the, the goal difference was, I think the goal difference was plus one or something in the end. Yeah. It was really not, it was really narrow. So yeah. even though we were kind of in it in the last few games, we, we we weren't, we weren't the fourth best team in the league by, by no, any stretch, no. you know. This time we are definitely, I'd say. We're and that's the, the thing, we team. we are up there on on merit, and you know, it's like we're we've got six games to go, and people are still kind of not really giving us the credit. It's like, oh, Everton played badly, oh, Spurs' defense is crap. Oh, like, hang on a bit, Newcastle are playing good football. They've got good mm. players who are all hitting form at the same time right now, and we're scoring some absolutely like world class goals. Um, from from build-up play. It's not like we're scoring fluky goals. So um, what, on that note, I'm going to pull out some stats um, because one of the things that is really starting to piss me off right now is this narrative that's being spouted by media by fans of the the other the you know the other top clubs in in the league that are that are kind of a little bit miffed that we're raining on their parade at the moment. Um, is that you know we're only where we are because we spent big money and mm-hmm. uh, we've got rich owners now and, and you know we're, we're rubbing everyone's noses in it and it's like well no we're celebrating the fact that we're playing absolutely out of our skin and we're we you know we're touching distance of of getting back into the champions league but the craig was craig and lee have been doing their best to uh to, to pull out the the stats from from <laughs> uh, from the internet for us so 70.4% of our goals this season, so that's 45 of our 64 goals that we've scored from all all games, all appearances, um, are by players that were here before the takeover. Hmm. That's, that is pretty impressive, to be honest. And I think that's kind of going under the radar a lot in terms of what Eddie Howe's getting out of players that were probably out of the door had he not come in. If Steve Bruce was still here, we'd be sit, probably sitting here talking about Longstaff at another club, Shah at another club, yeah. Murphy's probably out on loan again, um, Joe Linton, who knows what would have happened to him. So for, from that point of view, it's like it's it, we're developing the players that we already had. Um, and from an interesting point of view from the game that we just had, Newcastle starting 11 cost us 220 million quid. Mm. Everton starting 11 cost them 216 million pounds. <laughs> so it's like a, a 4 million pound difference. Um, and there's 34 point difference in the league. So I can't say that it's all about the money. And I think people need to kind of reel that narrative in a little bit because it's really underselling the job that Eddie has been doing for us. Our club has done good recruitment in terms of yes. the players and in terms of the manager as well, because how has managed to, I talked about this in the Spurs review game, but he's managed to just turn underperforming players into valuable assets, Joe Linton and Murphy, to name just two. I guess one of the arguments would be that the better players that we've brought in have improved the players around them, and that's fair. That's fair enough. But you can have all the money in the world, like you just said, and if you don't spend it properly, like, you know, lots of teams have done this over time. Yeah, exactly. Chelsea, Sunderland Sunderland have done it previously. Um, Yeah. And then Villa have done it to an extent as well. Uh, you need to be able to have good scouting to spend it properly. If anybody wants to come and talk to us about uh, and, and have this argument with us, anybody from any media anywhere wants to, then we can have the argument. We can talk to them about it. And we've got everything to back up what we're saying. We know what we're talking about. The national media who might watch Newcastle once every every month or so, they don't know what they're talking about. They just They just see Saudi money. It's always going to be something that's thrown at us, so we always yeah. just, we always have to accept it and, and get used to it. But if somebody wants to come and talk seriously about it, we can throw all the facts in the world at them, and we can direct them to look at guys like Joe Linton, Murphy, Fabian Shaw. Yeah. We can do that all day long if they want to do that, because it's 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 not just to do with the money; it's it's to do with having a brilliant manager and a, yeah. and a, a recruitment team that are doing a fantastic job. Well, this is the thing. We spent forty million on Joe Linton, and he looked like an absolute cart horse on Steve <laughs> Bruce. So, you know, yeah, we still spent the money, but just because you spend the money, it doesn't give you a good player. It comes down to how you're coaching them, how you're using them, and the players that you have around them, and how everyone's linking up. So, I just I'm going to put this up. Um, hopefully, we don't get 
busted for copywriting because totally pulled this off the internet. Um, I want to say <laughs> absolutely fantastic. This was our first win with the Saudi colored strip. <laughs> so the curse has been lifted. I will be wearing this at the next meetup. <laughs> Hopefully we can break the meetup, meetup curse as well because uh, we, we do have a meetup coming up for the Leeds game at the Pig and Whistle in Brisbane. There'll be other meetups around Australia. Uh, and we have yet to experience a win since we started doing the Brisbane meetups. I'm hoping that we've broken the Saudi uh, Saudi kit curse. Uh, hopefully we'll break the meetup curse and, and get three points against Leeds uh, in that game as well. So, yeah, fingers crossed. I still don't know what's going on in this photo with um, with Richie, though. Uh, he looks <laughs> like he's been chopped in half. Um, Umba Lumba. Yeah. Trying out for the next Wizard of Oz. Um, that, uh, that that picture just shows you that they need a new stadium, don't they? I think that is an someone, awful, awful changing room. Is that Mark Gillespie or someone's put the fist through one of the uh, one <laughs> of the tiles like in the yeah. roof? Yeah. <laughs> they need to just copying that. Lee. <laughs> yeah. After his uh, his meetup uh, punching <laughs> in the ceiling, um, it, it is very very apt though that and and I don't think it's done. Uh, unintentionally uh, that Anthony Gordon is sat there with a huge grin on his face front and center and amongst the whole team. Um, that that's a pretty nice, uh, nice feeling for him. I think some, some justification after his, uh, his treatment uh, pregame and uh, during the, uh, during the, uh, the transfer. So that was quite good. So let's have a really quick run through onto the Southampton game. Um, mainly because we don't have time with the, the quick schedule to do an independent <laughs> preview. Um, so we're going to tack that on to the end of this one. Um, so we've actually played Southampton three times already this season because um, we actually played them in the cup semi-final. Uh, so we had a home and away versus them in that game. Um, it was the semi-final, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So um, we had a league four four one uh, league league away uh, away win. Um, Almiron Chris Wood scored in that game, <laughs> mm. so uh, so that tells you what was going on there. Uh, Willick and Bruno with the other goals. Um, we had a one nil away win in the cup where Joe Linton scored the winner in that game. Um, Southampton did have a red card for uh, Salida Carr, and then we followed that up with a two one home win. Uh, where Longstaff scored twice. Uh, but unfortunately, Shea Adams brought one back. Didn't make it uh, any any difference to us. But that was the game with that Bruno red card. Mm, that was that yeah. was the, the one that saw him out for three games in the lead up to that cup final. We were lucky that he'd managed to just sort of work it out so that we would still get him for the cup final. Um, but, you know, we kind of lost a little bit of momentum with with him out of the side. So that's a, that's a little bit gutting. Um, but you know, let's get on to the team lineup. So for Newcastle, um, we, we've effectively figured that Eddie Howe is going to revert back to the team that uh, absolutely tramps uh, Spurs at home. So Murphy and Isak come in in the front in the forward line, and Burn potentially at left back again. Um, do you agree with that team lineup? You see any any changes or any anything that might might sort of like swing it a different way? No, I think that's probably likely. I just have a, I just wonder whether this game we might try Wilson and Isak together up front, um, or Isak out on the left. Uh, if if we're gonna try it, it'll be either in a in a home game like this, or after we've already uh, confirmed yeah. Champions League, because I think it would be good to see it. Uh, but I think we're probably not going to, we're certainly not going to change the formation. So if we were to mm -hmm. do that, it'd probably be Isak on, on the left. But there's probably no need at this stage to do it. It's just one of them is going to be left out, which is very unlucky because you can't, you've got to feel sorry for anyone who scores two goals and then misses yeah. out on the next game. It might be, it might come down to who's got the better sort of fitness or, you know, the GPS tracking fitness data and stuff that they go through, yeah. which will probably be Isak if that's the case. But, Wilson will be raging to be left out after scoring two yeah. goals, but but it's what that's what happens when you're a big club and when you've got good players in competition for places. So I wouldn't be surprised if Wilson or or Isak start the game, but I think yeah. definitely Murphy will come back and I think Burn will slot back out left back. Yeah, I think um, Miggy Miggy didn't really have a great game as we mentioned earlier. So Murphy coming back in for him give give Miggy a little bit of time to to readjust back into the team a bit more. Um, I think it was important to kind of rotate with the the, the quick succession of games and, and give Murphy maybe a little bit of, more of a break. Um, that that 
debate between Isak and, and Wilson. I mean, it's it's such a nice thing to have. And, you know, we've got two, three players now in in um, in double figures for the season in terms of goals. Uh, Joe Linton's doing his best to catch up. Um, and if, if Murphy keeps going the way he's doing, it's like <laughs> he, might, he might sort of chip in to get into double figures as well. So we're starting to get a nice little sort of uh, spread of spread of goals throughout that side. Uh, it, it's 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 going to be interesting to see what happens long term because I, I still think that we need another backup for for the forward line. We know that Wilson is going to get injured at some point. He, he always does. Um, so when he's on form, it's great, but you can't rely on him to be, be playing 38 games a season, let alone if we're in Europe as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we need we need some sort of backup, and it's how Eddie Howe kind of manages those players. But at the moment, look, it's, it's a great... It's a great problem for Eddie Howe to have is, you know, who, who do we play, Isak or Wilson? And, and they both seem to be spurring each other on to, to, to absolutely fantastic things. And, and they both seem pretty lighthearted and, and, and good with it between themselves as well. They're, they're cheering each other on whenever they're scoring, knowing full well that that might see them on the bench for the next game. Uh, it's just great management. It's just, yeah. and everything's better when you're winning, obviously, as well. So everything's yeah. fine. But, like I said before about Wilson, he looked pretty. He was just unfit. He didn't look fit, and he'd been mm. he'd been sick, I think. Uh, so that international break was huge for him, and he came on and scored against Man United because he just got his sharpness back. Um, but he's back to his best. He's probably in his best form he's ever been for us. So, yeah. yeah, it's a good good headache to have as a manager, and this is what we want all over the pitch. You know, we're going to be fighting on four fronts next season. We're going to be in some kind of European competition. So we need quality uh, backup all over. And the bench, this is even without Anthony Gordon as well, who's yeah. signed for 40, 45 million. He's going to come into the team at some point as well. So it's looking so much better than it was earlier in the season. Yeah, for sure. So on to the Southampton game. So I've pulled this out of the team lineup that played this morning for us um, against Bournemouth, lost 1-0. Um, so McCarthy in goal, uh, Kyle Walker-Peters uh, at right back, Benarek, Saleta Carr, and Perot making up the back four. Um, Elanusi on the right, Armstrong on the left, uh, Lavia and Ward-Prowse making up midfield, and then Walcott and Alcaraz up front. Um, the old 4-4-2, which we tend not to see very much of these days. Um, now, on paper, do you see that as a team that we should be worried about particular players other than obviously Ward Prowse and his free kicks? Uh, I mean, Theo Walcott's kind of pushing on a bit now. I'm still surprised mm. he's playing at this level. Um, do, do you see any problem areas with that? Or are you looking to the fact that, you know, we've beat them three times already. We're, we're on form, we're at home, um, and they're yeah. literally sinking like a stone. Well, they did get a point at Arsenal and they got a point at Old Trafford, mm. so they they can go to 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 big good teams and get point get a point and get a result. So we just have to be wary of that. We'll have to not be complacent in any way, which I'm sure that we won't be. But yeah. really, we should be dominating this. Like Lavi has played well in some games as well, and he's been pretty good. But they're quite young and inexperienced, and a lot of the team and the rest of it just kind of lacks quality. So we just really need to make sure we're not complacent try and get an early goal or two like we did with Longstaff in the Cup. And it should be a comfortable win, but yeah, it's Newcastle. Um, so we just have to ha bear that in mind. But yeah, we, we really should be winning this. And I think they're almost down pretty much. That was yeah. a terrible result yeah. for them this morning. So I think they need to win three of the last five or six yeah. to, to stay up. And that's just doesn't look, look like it's going to happen. Yeah, hopefully an early goal kind of just knocks their necks in a bit and they... Uh... They fold, we get a nice easy run, score another couple of goals, everyone's loving it, and uh, the home <laughs> crowd get to get to enjoy what we what we had on a, on the road and another another great home victory like we had with Spurs. So uh that's um I'm pretty sure that's the place that we need to uh call it where we've gone on long enough. Um I think everyone's just a bit excited at the moment. I know I am. So uh I guess <laughs> we'll finish off with a match prediction for the Southampton game. So uh what's your prediction for that one? Oh, I hadn't really thought about this. We're not keeping many clean shit up in it, so 3-1. Yeah, so that was one one point that I was going to bring up. Um, actually, we'll, we may as well touch on it quickly. Uh, clean sheets, short supply at the moment. Um, doesn't seem to be a major issue for us. 
given that we are scoring more goals now. Um, do you think that's just complacency because we are scoring more goals? Are we pushing forward more that we're leaving ourselves exposed? Is it just one of those things? I mean, we're still sitting there with the best goal difference in the league. We're still uh, best defense in the league. Um, are you seeing any problem with a lack of clean sheets or is it just... Well, if you're scoring six or, and four goals, it's not a problem. Really but, yeah, <laughs> no, right. I think um, that we've conceded from corners a few times. Obviously, we've conceded direct from a corner today, which was a bit of a, that a was strange weird, one. Yeah. But um, I don't think it's like a kind of structural problem within the defence. It's just we've, we've been a little bit sloppy at times or we've made mm. defensive mistakes, but it hasn't been sort of, you know, major cause for concern. But talking about the goals we've scored as well, I did a, um, a little look back last season at Steve Bruce's time and at this season. So we've scored four plus goals in seven league games this season. Yeah, well. We did that twice in Steve Bruce's two years. So like that's that's partly why it feels all feels like a dream as well because we're just scoring so many goals. Yeah. And when you like you you get to games and you lose track of who scored when. And like <laughs> like I said, in the Spurs game, I got to half time and f- completely forgot about Joe Linton's goal, even though it was amazing. Yeah. So. Uh, when that's happening, that's why it feels like a dream. But yeah, I think with the Southampton game, we should have enough for them. We should dominate the midfield. Um, yeah. But I hope we just get an early goal so that the nerves don't start setting in and so they don't yeah. get a bit of confidence like they did at Arsenal. Yeah. I'm going to go for an early goal and a, a runaway victory of 3 0. Um, I think we're in form. And if we score early, we're going we're gonna to push on. So uh, we'll call it there. Thank you very much for joining me, Jack. And uh, thanks very much for everyone for listening and watching on YouTube. Um, and yeah, keep an eye out for the watch along live on uh, Sunday night for us, uh, 11 o'clock. Uh, 11 o'clock at night for us i think it is so we'll be uh, we'll be half asleep but we'll try and keep everyone entertained with our uh, our banter <laughs> so thanks very much i'll catch you later cheers see you later bye